welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today's chat is with Will Mayrick. When I spoke to Will, it was seven o'clock in the morning in London. He was eating a peanut butter sandwich and drinking Lapsang tea and I could hear his children running around in the background. Will Mayrick has a lot going on. He has seven restaurants under his belt in Indonesia, produces a riveting travel vlog on YouTube where he delves into the history and culture of the country he's in and tells the story in a completely gripping way. He's a photographer, a restaurant consultant, and he looks a bit like Ewan McGregor, but that might just be me and the fact I know he's Scottish. He's also part of RAA Travel's Tasting Australian Airlines, a two-day event bringing people from Melbourne to McLaren Vale in April. Will will join Darren Robertson from Three Blue Ducks to cook lunch at Star of Greece, a Mediterranean restaurant overlooking the ocean in Port Wollonga. First of all, what a fantastic website and vlog and photography and all the things that you seem to do. I don't know how you fit, and I think you've got children as well. I feel like you, how would you even? Yeah, I have have three kids as well. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I was listening to you and watching you, and I think if they ever need to make a film about your life, which it sounds like they probably could, they, definitely you and McGregor sprang to mind. So um, I can already see that. And now, so tell me, um, it looks like you've been having an amazing time in Turkey, and that you do a lot of travelling. But the food side of things, how did how did, how did you become a chef? What was did you always know you were going to be a chef? Is that something? No, no, no. Um, uh, I was never going to be a chef, never planned to be a chef. Um, but unfortunately, I, I uh, was not very academic and uh, was, um, how would I say, uh, I did graphic design at school, sorry, at, at college. Um, I, uh, how would I say, I wasn't very academic or was not interested in academic, even though my mum had sent me to the best school then in Scotland and to all the private schools, etc. It just didn't really necessarily click with me. Mm. So uh, I left school at 16 and then uh, went off and did um, art college. And then after art college, I did uh, graphic design in Manchester, very temporarily, mm. for about six, seven months. Um, and then back up to Edinburgh and still hadn't really got my shit together. Basically, mm. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to be doing. Uh, um, and so my mum said, well, why don't you do cooking? Everyone needs to eat. And so I said, oh, yeah, okay, give that a go. Brilliant. Um, and what, and so what I found the kitchen ended up doing, because I was rather naughty at that age, was um, it gave me structure. Mm. And that's what I needed. Mm. And I didn't know that until I hit, I don't know, probably 37, 38, and I looked at other kids, etc. Um, but what I found was that the kitchen is actually... Um, you know, I'm going to say a lot of people in kitchens um, generally have um, some sort of an addiction, mm. whether it is a drug addiction, whether it is a alcohol addiction, whether it is um, a, a, a social problem that 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 um, they become dependent on the kitchen because their social life is not all that they're, where they're coming from is not necessarily a great background because whether they have problems with parents or they have problems with poverty or they have problems, you know, because they live in the back end of Pilton mm. or wherever it is in whatever city they are. Um, 
it, it kitchens seem to solve a lot of uh, social problems. Mm. Uh, and that's what I realized that, I only realized it, I'd say, probably in my late 30s, what actually kitchens did for me and what they actually see they do for other people. Mm. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden when you're cooking um, and you've been told that you're not good at this and you're not good at that, and all of a sudden you've got this gratification every 10 minutes when someone says that was a good meal, or the guest comes back with a compliment, or um, right. it, it, it gives it gives confidence to those sort of people that perhaps lack that, that confidence or had that uh, a warmness to what people actually gratifying other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, deprived people, deprived pe- uh, kids that are on that poverty line that, that, you know, have never been told thank you or well done or that was a good job. Mm. And kitchens ki- kitchens gave that to people yeah. um, or to that youth. Um, and it definitely gave it to me. Mm. Um, and, um, it, you know, some people say for me it was structure that I needed. Mm. Um, I had a very good, you know, childhood, etc., a very happy childhood, but it was more of a, uh, but I needed structure because my parents were divorced. Yeah. But for other people, they need love or they need appreciation. Yeah. For other people, you know, they need they need support and kitchens working in there for so long and so many hours, mm. you become dependent on the people around you. Yeah. Um, and they become your family. That's right. Um, and everyone, and everyone, all of a sudden, you know, if they stepped out of work or and they were on the street, and someone, you know, swore at them or told them off or you know hit them or whatever, there'll be a massive fight. But in the kitchen, they would listen to a head chef, even though he shouts and screams at them. They would still listen because they never had a father figure. Father figure. Yeah. So okay. it gave father figures to people as well. And it gave a father figure role. Um, failure after success. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah. And 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 that's the hardest part. Is it's like going into recovery. Mm. Learning about the failure of of what you've done yeah. or, or, or what response you've done, and how do you recruit your money back from that failure? And how do you how do you how do you manipulate that failure into a success? Yeah. And how do you manage that side of things? Absolutely. You never predict that. No, and no. People have lost their businesses. People have stopped going out. People are, are and and it's not because you've been a bad businessman or you've done something wrong or the food's bad. It's a natural disaster like this. It just takes it away from you. And you have no control. Yeah, that's right. That's, you know, that's the sad thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not because you failed as a as a as an entrepreneur or as a chef. It's just natural disasters that are out of your control has has taken control of it. Yeah. So is that 
why a, perhaps that you have a few strings to your bow so that you have a bit more of a, a richer life experience, that you're not putting all of your um, eggs in one basket, I suppose, in terms of, not in terms of money making, but in terms of um, you feeling happy or successful within your own life. So you've got your video, like the vlogs and so on, which are amazing, like they are so professional and engaging. I just love them. I need to go back and watch more of them. But um, is that is that how you counteract some of those um, maybe threats or um, um, the vulnerability you might have as a chef in, in Indonesia? Um, I think, you know, I mean, the, the, whole, the whole YouTube thing that I do is basically I was tired of working Asian food channels and Discovery, what shows on Discovery, what shows on Asian food channel, etc. As well, I've done mm. Top Chef, being a judge. So I've got, I've got, you know, a good, a good um, sort of uh, um, three, four, good extensive TV background. And I was just tired of, of um, doing shit shows mm. um, and, and cheesy commercials within those shows. So, um, and then also, you know, the hard thing as well is that you're the flavor of the month for a for about four years, and then and then basically you got the next row of mini master chefs coming through, and all the rest of it that sure. you know they'll rape, rape and pillage for next to nothing, uh, and, and lock them into two-year contracts, um, and whiz them around the country, and make loads of money out of them. They're there, sort of a bit starstruck, and kind of left um, holding, you know, uh, not 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 being able to move forward after they've they've uh, used them. Um, or the bigger companies have used them for the marketing. Mm. Um, so that's why I said, you know, what, I'm going to get out while I can, and yeah. I'm going to create my own shows, and I'm going to create. So I, um, I've got a very cool little um, in-house digital team, videography team, with a bunch of young kids um, that I sent on courses and training um, to bigger companies to learn how to do. Um, Audio to learn how to do editing, post editing, etc. As well, um, and so you know, I've set up my little team with that. So that's why I do that personally. Mm. Um, and I suppose why do I do so many restaurants or so many different styles of restaurants? For me, it's you know, I only realise this, and I think it's funny. You, you come to a certain point in your, in your life, on your age, and I think it happens to everybody where you where you reflect on where you were and where you're going. That normally hits around forty. Um, and uh, people call it a midlife crisis, um, but I, but I, I, I try and keep my head cool on it and, and look at look at exactly where I'm going, what I'm doing, and I suppose looking back on it and now moving forward on it, I suppose um, the restaurants are like a, a like a, a, a diary or a notebook, and basically cooking is like a pen, and I'm basically doing journalistic writing or food writing through my cooking um, to explain other people's stories. I love that. Whether there's stories in Assam, whether there's stories in India, stories in Sri Lanka, wherever the stories are, um, basically I'm, I'm writing other people's stories through food um, and I do the restaurants accordingly to those themes as well. So the restaurants are set up like a notebook yeah. of stories um, that I've uh, documented and, and interviewed yeah, I love that. I read um, one of your quotes on your website was that you, um, you're in love with traveling and finding recipes rather than creating dishes. And I thought that, that to me, that kind of, um, I sensed that that was what it was for you. It's about the storytelling aspect and finding out the background to things rather than just, um, yeah, big noting yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for me, it's, it's, 
Yeah, absolutely. You must, you must. Um, how do you go from being, so we talked about you entering the trade at, at 16 or whatever. How do you, um, what's the step where you become a celebrity chef? <laughs> or a knowledge of um, Australia because I, uh, you, you worked in Sydney for a while. Um, when was that? Yep. Mm. I worked in Sydney on 1998 yep. to 2004. Okay. 2005. Yeah. And so you, you'd been working in London and then you came across to Sydney. Was that for um, just more experience? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. I ran long range 
for four years. Yep. Um, and then I and then I opened up Jimmy Licks yep. Sydney. Okay. Afterwards. Yeah. Um, and ran Jimmy Licks for three years. Oh, I owned it, and then and then basically sold out. Went to Australia. I wanted to cook um, Asian food with Asians in Asia rather than uh, um, you know copying everybody out of cookbooks. Yeah. Sydney. Yeah. Nice. And so I guess um, that's the reason why um, Tasting Australia has invited you to go to South Australia and do this um, amazing sounding day that they're doing. What's um, can you tell me a little? Do you, can you tell me a little bit about what your part of that day is? Uh, what 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 it is um, is uh, it'll be definitely from from. Uh, It'll be again. I think you know what I'm, what I'm asking to do, what I'd like to do, but I need to go in depth with it. Is it's very much um, use see if I can use some of the photography and some of the travel journeys that we've done, nice. um, and, and be able to, to bring that into into the, the whole menu. Not I mean in the dish, but actually visually. So yeah. I don't know if there's spaces around that. We've sort of thrown that around the, the ballpark a little bit about using some of the imagery that I have. And then reflecting that into um, using some of the dishes from those areas. Okay. Um, I've got to come back from London, and when I come back from there, then I go head into it and then design the menus, etc. Yeah. But I would say just to just to just to write, taking inspirations from my travels over the past uh, nine months. Yeah, good. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, often when I speak to chefs and I ask them, you know, how did you come up with the dish? And we've already spoken to you about how you, well, you're not so much creating dishes as, as finding dishes, which I think is great. It does come from that repertoire of um, what, you know, your life and, the, and what else you've cooked and who you've been talking to. I think all of that comes into play. And so naturally that's what you'll be doing. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and what else does 2020 hold for you? Yep. Um, I have a I have a couple of hotel projects that I'm working with um, that I'm sort of um, on the cusp of, um, and um, yeah, that's that's the main thing basically. I'm, mm. I'm in London doing a bit of consultancy for a bigger a bigger uh, a high street brand that's got I know, it's more like a wagon on this kind of thing that I'm doing at the moment. That's why I'm here now. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot more. But what's interesting, I think, is is, is going forward is, is uh, what I've realized is it's not so much about owning anything anymore I think because it's very hard for a, for a chef or a name chef to, to sell um, his brand because you can only sell the brand with you so yeah. that's why I'm looking at it in a little bit more slightly different now rather than actually owning them rather than going into more of, of a, a consultancy or a, or a or a license instead, um, because then you know you you and especially looking at 2020 and how uncertain the past two or three years have been um, in the world. That's right. I think um, going forward, 2020 has start started with World War Three and 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 Australia on fire. Um, it, it makes it makes people, I think, chefs a little bit more. It makes me a little bit more wary of of what I'm going into now and how much money am I putting into things and, and is, there a, is there a better way of doing it where perhaps it's not about ownership anymore mm. and I think that's, that's probably you, you own the brand but you don't, 
you don't have to own the asset because that can clog you down. Yeah. And I think you know that's that's what I'm looking at in 2020. It's not about owning the, owning the the assets anymore. It's about owning the brands. Right. Okay, well, it sounds like you're someone who's always going to be busy, and so I probably should let you get into your day. I do love that um, I'm speaking to a celebrity chef who's eating a peanut butter sandwich. That's just like, that's the best. <laughs> but, a cup of lapsan tea. Oh, perfect, perfect. Um, well, thanks, Will, so much for your time and your generosity in, um, in sharing so much with me. No worries. Have a great day and a great, a great year. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.